Amen. All right. So remember, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a group of people that he's very, very familiar with. He had been in Philippi during his second missionary journey. He had planted a church there. There was an amazing work of God's Spirit that had happened there. This church was formed, and ultimately or eventually, the Apostle Paul left Philippi. And this was one of the only churches at that time that supported the Apostle Paul, his ministry, the work that God was doing through his life. And Paul is super grateful for that support. In fact, this letter, by and large, is a thank you letter or thank you note um, to the Philippian church, thanking them for their grace, for their kindness, for the fellowship, the, the connection that they have together. And remember, Paul is, where's Paul writing from, by the way? He's running from prison. He's lost everything. He's got nothing. And yet he's totally full of joy, and he's writing about joy. And he's been teaching us that we can experience joy no matter what the circumstances are in our life. And we've learned, haven't we, about having joy? It's ultimately because of our connection with Jesus, who we belong to, who our, our lives are in his hands, our times are in his hands. He's working all things together for good in our lives. He's begun a good work in us. He's going to finish, and he promised to finish that good work too. Is that good news this morning? That ultimately we know our last breath here will be our first breath in heaven. And all along the way, he's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That he is doing awesome and amazing things in our lives if we are open and watch and see what he's doing. And Paul's reminding the church, you can have joy no matter what you are going through. And it wasn't theoretical for Paul. Paul learned it as he walked with Jesus. And it's glorious experiencing joy. And we also learned about contentment, didn't we, last week? Did you guys learn, did we learn about contentment last week? In fact, where did, we, where did we leave off last week? 31? Is there 31 verses in this chapter? 21? We had three verses left. Is that how far we got? I'm going to back up to verse 10. How's that sound? I'm dead serious. Alive serious. But I, look what he says here. Paul says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I am so full of joy. I'm so stoked. I'm so happy. I'm rejoicing in Jesus. Why? Look what he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I am so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for the church's provision for me. I've been so excited. I want to remind you guys how excited I am, Paul says, that your care, your love, whatever this love gift was, whatever this care package was. You guys ever get a care package from someone? No, some of you know. Give me your email afterwards and we'll see what we can do. Aren't care packages awesome? I remember in college getting care packages from my mommy. And you're, you just, you're just, it just brightens up your day, doesn't it? You get so stoked. Paul is so excited. He's saying, your care for me has flourished. It's blossomed again. And he says here, at the end of that verse, he says, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So their care for Paul was kind of put on pause as far as sending a care package, sending support, 
And it wasn't like they didn't care. They just didn't have the opportunity to do it for whatever reason. And remember, this was a poor church. They were not a wealthy church. Maybe they were scraping to make ends meet, and they had nothing to send to the Apostle Paul for a season. But now their care has blossomed again. And Paul's like, I'm so thankful. I'm so appreciative. Not that I speak, look at verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, and, and Paul walks kind of this, like this, this line with them. And, and he says, listen, I'm not saying this because I, I need the support. <clears throat> I'm not saying this because I'm trying to, like, to like work you over for money or manipulate you. <clears throat> but why? Why does he say that? He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. What did Paul learn? In whatever state I am to be content. And what was the lesson that we learned last week? Contentment does not come naturally, but it is what? It's learned. It's something that we learn. And remember that word learn from last week I shared with you guys? It's this really cool Greek word. We get math, mathematics from that word. It it means step by step, sequentially working through something. And Paul's saying, I have learned step by step, sequentially Walking with Jesus, I've learned to be content. And then he says what? I know how to be abased. What does that mean to be abased? It means you're poor. I've learned, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. What does that mean to abound? Abundance, like prosperity. Going through a season of, man, I've got so many blessings. And we go through different seasons of life, don't we? Sometimes we're kind of just struggling to make ends meet. Sometimes we're abounding. Sometimes it's like, wow, I can't believe this. We got a surplus. We got, we got some extra, extra material stuff in, in this month or whatever. But Paul's like, and no matter what state, notice he keeps going on, whether I'm abased or whether I'm abounding, he says, everywhere, no matter where I am, my location, my position, my job, and, in case that doesn't cover everything, and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul's like, no matter what's going on in my life, I have learned... I've learned, and remember, it's a different word here for learned. This means to to learn the secret. It's an aha moment. I've been praying for you guys for the last two weeks concerning this passage that some of you would have an aha moment. Oh, I get it. I found the secret. What is? Do we need to Google the secret? What is the secret to contentment? Do we need to look it up? What's the secret? Look at the next, it's right in the text. Look at the next verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that good news this morning? That's the secret to contentment, no matter what's going on in my life. Whether I'm abounding, I realize it's the Lord. That's the only reason I got what I got. Everything I have is from Him. All the mistakes are mine, everything good is from Him. Hey, if I'm abased, it's okay because he promises if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's going to take care of me. He promised it. 
I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got a job that's gnarly. Oh, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God wants to use me in this place to be a witness for him. Well, it's a dead-end job. That's okay. You're going to be storing up treasures in heaven. People are making fun of you. Say, hallelujah, I'm going to... Jesus said, jump for joy when that happens. You'll trip somebody out. Somebody starts, somebody starts mocking you at, the, at work, and you go, hallelujah. Jesus told us to. Because you're a rewarder, setter-upper for me. <laughs> you get a chance to share with them about Jesus. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am in life, I'm content, I'm okay, I'm satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No matter where I am, on the plateau, on the peak, whether I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, right? He's with me, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's gonna care for me, he's bought me with his precious blood. Do you know that he bought you with his precious blood? You're his, you and I are his little lambs. We belong to him, we're his sheep. Does he take care of his sheep? That's why they call Jesus the good shepherd, okay? And so Paul goes on. Look what he says. He says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So let me draw your attention to verse 14. Nevertheless, Paul says, you have done well. And that word done well, speaks of, it speaks of in Greek, a beautiful work. What you've done for me in sharing with me, it is a beautiful work. It's an attractive work. What you've done has produced beauty. I love that. Well, what did they do? How did they produce beauty? We're told, he said, you shared with me in my distress, as I struggled, as I've been going through tribulation, as I've been going through heavy pressure, man, you guys stuck with me. You guys stuck by my side. You, 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 you felt the pain I was feeling, and it wasn't just, hey, hang in there. No, you demonstrated your love for me. I love that. Do you know that we're called to beautiful works in our lives? Ephesians 2.10 tells us you are his workmanship. You are his Work of art, his, his, his work of poetry, his poem to a lost world. You are his, work, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared before him. So God's prepared beautiful works for you and for me that we would walk in them and people would see who? The beauty of our Lord. And Paul's like, man, it was beautiful what you guys did for me. You're in this with me. I'm under pressure, and you are too. And remember, we are encouraged to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God wants us to have real connection with one another. Do you know that this morning? 
Do you guys know that this morning? The Apostle Paul uses that analogy over and over that we are the body of the body of Christ. That means each one of us are body parts, correct? Some of us are thumbs, some of us are noses, some of us are ears in this picture, correct? Some of us are pancreases, right? Not seen, vital, correct? Vital, need your pancreas? Do you need your pancreas? Big toe, stuffed in, stinky, warm, you know, that, you can't walk without big toes, by the way, right? All, do we need all the body parts working together? We do, just like this is the body of Christ right here, a local body. Does that make sense? And Paul's saying, man, as I'm suffering, right, when one member suffers, when one body part suffers, we all, we all suffer, correct? I'm, I'm seeing blank stares. You guys ever drop something on your toe? How do you respond? Some of you are lying. That's Okay. Don't be lying in church, though. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. It used to be beep, 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 beep. It's not, praise the Lord. Oh, that felt so great. Dumbbell to the toe. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's not beep, beep, beep anymore. So I know I'm growing in grace. You know what I'm saying? But what happens? You drop that thing on your toe or, or smash your toe, and the whole body's involved, correct? When one member suffers, all the members suffer, right? Your mouth or whatever you say, it's coming out of your heart, right? Sometimes we lift up a leg and hop around. Oh, ooh. Hands go, what are the hands? Arms, they all go to that and start rubbing it or whatever. Correct? Paul's saying, as I'm suffering here, you guys are all reaching out to me. You're, you're going through this with me. And that is a beautiful thing, he says. God wants you and I, listen, to have real connection with one another. And so Jesus doesn't bail out on us, does he? He's with us through thick and thin no matter what we're going through. Look at verse 15. Paul goes on to say, listen, you guys know this. You're well aware that when I came, I brought the gospel. I brought the good news. Not a whole lot of good news out there today, is there? We have, do you know we have good news to deliver? to bring wherever we go. Jesus came, died for our sins, rose again on the third day, and he will save and rescue anyone, forgive them, rescue them, and give them eternal life if they repent and put their trust in him alone. So simple. It's a free gift. We have good news, gang. Paul's like, when I came to your part of town, northern Greece, that's Macedonia, when I came to your neighborhood, when I came to your hood, you remember, I shared the gospel, I left, I went southbound, down to Thessalonica, down to those other areas of southern Greece. But none of those churches shared with me. Notice what he says, in giving and receiving, but you only. Look what it says, concerning giving and receiving, but you. No one, that word is koinonia also, just like earlier, it's, it, the root is koinonia, fellowship, partnership, you you. you where you took fellowship with me in my suffering, partnered with me in my suffering, and you partnered with me in giving and receiving. Of what? Look what it says. For my necessities. We get the word, we get, the Greek word means to be a business. In other words, when you guys reached out to me with a love gift, when you sent a care package to me, what it did was it kept me in business. 
It kept me being able to do what God has called me to do for the furtherance of his kingdom, to share the gospel, to be about our father's business. Glorious. And Paul's grateful. And the Philippians, they contributed in order for Paul to continue ministry. Did you notice it was regularly they did this? Not once, but again. You guys regularly contributed to help me continue in ministry, and it's so beautiful. And um, does God tell us to give in His Word? He does, doesn't He? Jesus said, "When you give, or when you give alms, when you do that." You ever think, like, why does God do that? Why does God is God going bankrupt? There are some churches that make you feel that way, though, don't they? I mean. This whole section is on giving, and I know for some of you this is a touchy issue. You're already squirming. Did he say giving? Oh, here come the chicken buckets. And he's going he's gonna to have a thermometer out. He's talking land, building. There's going to be thermometers. No, 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 no. <laughs> some, some of you guys have been coming. If you've been coming a while, you, have, you know. We've never asked since day one ever for money, ever. And I'm glad. And I have no idea what anybody gives either. Because I know my heart is wicked. Because if I knew that you gave a ton of money, you know who I'd hang out with? Hey, bro, let's go get a little Java, bro. I'm just exposing my heart, right? And God, listen, God has provided over and above our needs. We've been able to support missions worldwide, missionaries planting churches, and it's, it's all by his grace, and he gets all the glory for it. That's <laughs> so awesome. And, and you, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like some of us were, I was so grateful when I came to Calvary Chapel, and there was, it wasn't a begathon. It wasn't a bummer to give. It was like, oh, I, this is, I love giving to the Lord. Whether it's my time or the talents God has given me or the treasures that he's blessed me with, it is a joy. And Paul is writing about joy here. Part of, part of the joy that God wants to experience is our giving. Are you with me? So God's not going bankrupt. This is how God gets his work done on earth. Do you know he doesn't drop like a big bag of loot between the two palm trees every week? <laughs> big bag of loot. Get, where's, the, where's the ushers, deacons? You know, get it all. <laughs> no. But it's through you guys. It's through people. It's through our lives. So why does God tell me to give? Well, that's how he does business. Not only that, that's how he raises children too. Did you know that? What? That's how he raises children. Absolutely. And it's supernatural. Giving is a supernatural thing. How he provides and what he does in us. Why do I say this? Because I'm a pretty selfish person. I hear an amen over there. <laughs> it's true. You guys, I mean, some of you are like, thank you for saying that. You are. You finally recognized it, Pastor. Way to go. Hey, listen. I am super selfish, but I know this, that every time I give, I give a little of my selfishness away. 
and I have a lot to get rid of. And it all belongs to him. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. And he is the greatest giver, isn't he? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave the best, didn't he? And so I would say that a component of of love is giving. By this we know love, that Jesus gave his life for us. And so when I'm giving, it's a demonstration of my love for my Jesus and my love for others, for him, for his work, for what he wants to do through my life. And if we're to bear his image and to look like him, then we too will be those that give. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. I mean, it's cool to receive, isn't it? Don't, let's, again, don't be lying in church. It's cool to receive. Get the, the love, you know, the care package from mommy or whoever. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, I didn't say it. He's telling you. You want to have happiness in your life? Be a giver. You want to have joy in your life? Jesus said it. Be a giver. Be someone that says, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord's example in this and be someone that, that gives. Giving's a demonstration of love, and love is the mark of a genuine follower, isn't it, of Jesus? Is that true, right? Yeah. And God has given me everything I have. It's all his, and I give because I love him. Because I love him. It's from my heart to him. And so Paul, here's Paul's heart. Look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. I'm not desiring a present. This is not some self-serving thing. But I seek, this is so important, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. What is Paul intensely seeking? He's intensely seeking fruit in their lives that is going to accumulate Where's the account? In heaven. God's got an account in heaven. And Paul's like, man, I'm seeking fruit for you that'll be accruing or being accredited or piling up or being amassed in heaven. It's, I, I'm so grateful what God's doing, but I want you to see this, Paul says, that what you're doing, it's going to be a benefit for you eternally. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm not craving the gift. I'm craving the fruit. And I think that's the, listen, that, is, that should be the heart of every one of us, heart of every minister. Anybody that serves the Lord, it should be our heart to see fruit in other people's lives because a fruitful life is a joyful life where God's doing awesome things in you and through you. And so um, God was really doing this work in the Philippians and they recognized that there's an eternal value in all of this. And Paul reminds them of that. And an account is being kept. Do you know you have an account in heaven this morning? Everybody know that, hopefully? You have resources that God has given you to use for the furtherance of his kingdom and for his glory. Jesus has encouraged us many, many times in his word that we are to wisely use the resources that he's given us. Are you with me? You can build up your account, have fruit abounding in your heavenly account. I, I read this last week, but I think it's important to read it again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what should we do, Lord? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Paul says something similar also to, uh, to Timothy. Can I, can I read this real quick? For, if you're taking notes, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And listen, to what, listen to what Paul says here. This is like so good. He says, command those... It's interesting, Timothy. Timothy's pastoring the church of Ephesus. Timothy, I want you to command those in the church. Command those who are rich in this present age, those who are wealthy. That's kind of heavy, isn't it? Command the... By the, maybe you're saying, well, that's not for me, Pastor. I'm scraping, scraping by, trying to make ends meet. Can I remind us this morning, we are, every one of us here is wealthy compared to those around the world, probably to 90% of the world. Do you know that this morning? If not, let me ask you a question. Do you own a refrigerator? You have a servant. Do you have running water? You have a servant. Do you have a dishwasher? You have a servant. Do you have a washing and dryer, washer dryer combo package? You got two servants. Is that kind of resonating with you guys now? We are so wealthy. So I would say this applies to all of us. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be prideful, strut around like your hot stuff, nor to trust in uncertain riches. And we do that, don't we? We trust in our bank accounts. We trust in our 401ks. Listen, that can go just like that in a, in a moment's time, gone. Any one of us that can happen to. Are you with me? And God says, don't be trusting in that. Don't be, it's uncertain riches. I love what he says here next, but trust in the living God. Who, well, pastor, wait a minute, I got some cool stuff. God's given me like this, this cool boat and surfboard and stuff. This is for you and I. Listen, trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God says, I want you to enjoy that, but not let that possession possess you. Enjoy that surfboard, enjoy that boat, enjoy that car, enjoy that, but realize it's the Lord who gave that to you, and the, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. And then he said, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Because listen, you never know when your last breath is going to happen here that they may lay hold on eternal life. An account is being kept in heaven. Can I encourage you today? Can I be like a financial advisor to you today? Oh, I don't have any insight on the market. Really, Pastor, you know how to invest? I know how to invest. You take your life that's been blood-bought by Jesus Christ and the gifts and callings he's given you, and you max that out with the grace he's given you to store up your treasures in heaven. And guess what? It will be worth it to hear those words when you pass through the veil into eternity like our brother Jacob. Boom. Right into heaven. Hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. How awesome that 
is going to be. Well, look what it says next, verse 18. Indeed, I've got everything. Man, I'm well supplied, he says. And I'm abounding. I'm overflowing. I'm full. I'm satisfied. I'm complete. Having received from Epaphroditus, he's the one that delivered the care package. So what they sent really blessed Paul. But notice, please, this is so crucial. They're giving, they're giving to Paul this ministry of giving and receiving, it's ultimately to the Lord. It's an act of worship. Look what he says. Look what it says to me. Don't miss this. I have received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. Oh, it smelled so good to God, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to who? To God. It made God really happy. What you guys did, this sacrifice that you made, your giving, this care package, this love gift, it really blessed God. And Paul's using Old Testament imagery here of worship. The worshipers would bring their sacrifices and offerings, and where would they lay their offerings? On the, on the altar, right? The fire was going, right? They lay their animal, the sheep or cow or whatever, and what would, ha- what would happen? The smoke would, correct? You guys know what I'm talking about? Barbecue smells so good, right? God, li- God likes the smell of barbecue. It's, 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 the old King James, it says, a, it's, it smelled a savor of rest. Because all of those pointed forward to his son one day who would give his life for us to give us rest. But it blesses God. Like a, like a, you guys ever been into a, a house that smells really good? We're getting close to Thanksgiving or, oh, it smells so, doesn't, does that not resonate? What about when your husband puts on cologne? Polo cologne? Or what, do you, what do you wear? Something like that? Honey, you smell, oh, smell. Or how about when our radical Christian babes put on? I was talking first service, why are they such weird names? Poison and obsession and... Sorry, just bring it back in. But it's a sweet, it's a, it blesses the Lord. Our giving, it's like a sweet smell to Him. It goes up to Him. And not only that, notice also their sacrifice was what? It was acceptable to God. Or literally it means to be approved by God. How is our sacrifice, our giving to God acceptable? There's, one, there's only one thing that makes it acceptable, and what is it? Well, trust, also faith, but, but love. 1 Corinthians 13, if we do what we do and there's no love, it's worthless. It's no sweet-smelling aroma to God. It's a stink. It's like Buffalo Bayou swamp water, where we're doing it for our glory, for our name, for, for our praise. But when it's done out of love for him and love for others, God goes, oh. That's, thank you. That's acceptable. When the family lovingly gives, God receives. When the family lovingly gives, God is really happy. Loving, sacrificial giving really blesses God. Remember the widow with her two mites? You guys remember the widow story? Jesus was on the Temple Mount, and here come the people. They're all giving their gifts, right? They got their bags of loot. They're popping it in. The, the treasury, 
the religious people were doing what? Tooting their horns, right? Jesus said, don't, when you give, don't be like them. Don't be like the, do-do-do, check me out. I'm getting, you know. Oh, ooh, ah, right? That's what they do for the pats on the, the attaboys, the oohs, the ahs. Jesus said, don't be like them. And then here's this little widow. And all she's got left is two mites. And she's giving to church, if you will. Was that a pretty good church or a corrupt church? Super corrupt. Correct? They were, she even may have been one of those widows that the religious leaders were ripping off. Jesus said, you guys rip off widows and, make a pre- and with your prayers make a pretense. She may have been one of those widows that got ripped off by the religious leaders. And she's got her last two mites, and she goes to the offering bucket or box or whatever, and how much does she give? One? Here's one. I'll, I'll parlay the other, try to parlay the other, make a couple bucks. Does she do that? Both in. What is she communicating? God, God it's worship. God, you're worth it. You're the God that allowed me to be in this condition, and I believe you're the God that will take care of me. I trust you no matter what, and I will worship you no matter what. You've been nothing but faithful in my life, and here I give this to you as an offering, as worship to you. And God says, that smells so good. That's acceptable. That's well-pleasing to me. And so look at this promise, verse 19. Anybody have this promise underlined, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul's like the Lord of my life, my God. He's going to satisfy and fulfill and fill, meet every need you have. What it comes down to is what? His glorious Wealth is magnificent wealth, and it's all because you are connected to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. No, no amens? All right, let's move forward. Paul's like, my God will supply everything you need to keep you in business. Do you guys know that God will not dry up the giver? Some of you are like, I don't know. Well, this passage is for you then. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but this I say, he who sows sows sparingly, what does that mean to sow sparingly? Does that mean to get out your thread and needle and you just do it a little bit once in a while? Give your stuff to grandma to fix? Is that what that means, sow sparingly? What does it mean to sow sparingly? Plant, you plant something just a little, right? What does he say? You will reap sparingly. You're just going to get a little bit. He who sows bountifully, what does bountifully mean? A lot, abundance, will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Do you know that your giving is between you and Jesus? Not the church. You You shouldn't be getting emails and letters about why you're not giving. Do you know that? This morning. I would write back, this is between me and Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Would you please read your Bible? (laughs) Right? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, 
not grudgingly or of necessity or compulsion. What's grudgingly mean? If you're giving grudgingly, what does that mean? I can think I can do it with just a face. Serving in children's ministry. When's this going to get done? Pastor's running long again this morning. That's grudgingly. Compulsion is having your arm twisted. And you've been there. Some of you have been there in that, in that church that does that. But God loves a cheerful giver. Yes, I get to change diapers today. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm giving this to you. This is my, you know what? I'm giving this to you, Lord. And you know what's so interesting? Because when that widow gave, she's giving to a corrupt, a corrupt religious system, a corrupt church, and she still gave. Ultimately, why? Because you're giving to the Lord. So when it leaves my hands, it's ultimately for the Lord. I'm not saying there shouldn't be accountability, but it's ultimately between me and the Lord. And then he says, listen to this, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, Paul's trying to let us know, all means all, everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. Paul's saying, you sow bountifully, boom, boom, boom. What's God going to do? He's going to supply bountifully. He's not going to dry up the giver. Does that sound good? You know what else that means? He'll, he gives us everything we need to be successful in what he's called us to do. Whatever he's called you to do, you look to him, to his resources. And by the way, if you are doing what the Philippians do, then this promise is for you. If you are not doing what the Philippians do, then this promise is not for you this morning. What do I mean by that? What did they do? In context from verse 15 on down there to verse 19, what did they do? They cared for others, Paul specifically, correct? They had fellowship connection with Paul in his sufferings. Second, they gave consistently. Third, they gave sacrificially. Did you guys catch that? They gave consistently and they gave sacrificially. Do you know that we have people here that give sacrificially? The people on staff? You who are those that are volunteering every week, I'm so blown away that they go above and beyond in their giving. They spend time with people. They care for people. They pray with people. They work jobs. Many of them work jobs all week long, and yet they are investing in the lives of others. They're not on a clock. Some work behind the scenes, cleaning, disinfecting this place so you guys don't get Wuhan flu, what's it called, COVID, whatever. Ultimately, the Lord sees the sacrifice. No matter, you're behind the scenes, the prayer warriors in this church that pray for you consistently and continually. Those that you see in the parking lot, the greeters, the ushers, man, they are giving sacrificially of their time, their talents. 
our children's ministry, our youth ministers, most of them work all week long and they are doing their very best to bless your children and my children that they would always know Jesus and walk with Jesus. They care for them, love them, pour into them. And for many of them, it's hard. It's a stretch. But what does God do? God gives them the grace. He supplies abundantly what they need. Because why? Because they're living like the Philippians. They're following this example. They're not getting paid for it. It is a sacrifice. And there's joy, ultimately. They're excited and joyful. Because I tell our crew, if you're not doing this with joy in your heart, then you need to bail, man. You need to step aside. Go, some, go to a different area of ministry or just take a breather. Because it should be a blast. Because you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Calvary Chapel. You should be doing this for Jesus. And if Jesus called you to it, he's going to give you what you need to do it. And it is a blast because you get to experience the power of his spirit and his goodness when you're doing what he's called you to do. Jesus gives us what we need. He supplies. Listen, is God meeting your needs abundantly? Or are you coming up short? What sacrifice is God calling you to make? We see the example in the Philippians. The Philippians had needs. Because we could say, oh, well, who's going to take care of me if I, if I live this way? If I live sacrificially? If I work all week long and then I go serve at church, who's going who's gonna to take care of me? Do you know God will supply all your needs? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He's going to give you what you need. The question is, am I, am I taking that step of faith to serve him, to sacrifice for him? And God will supply. Jesus said so. You give, you do, and what will he do? He's going to give it back to you, what you need. Pressed down, shaken, overflowing in your life. And he gets the glory. Look at verse 20. Now to our God and Father, be, glor be glory forever and ever. That's a good spot to say amen, isn't it? Maybe you're sitting here, what does it mean to give God glory? Does that mean we sing songs or just say glory to God? Is that what glory means? Really simply, glory means making him look good. We're making God look good. He gets the credit. He gets the praise. I want the Lord to be exalted. Like John the Baptist said, I need to be decreasing. He needs to be increasing. I want God to look good. And so, whether in life or in death, abased or abound, Paul wanted God to be glorified. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. If you close your Bible already, please open your Bible back up and repent immediately. <laughs> He'll never notice. Because can't you get to this part, like you're reading, oh, it's just greetings and salutations and sign off and thanks for coming, drop the mic, <laughs> see you, Paul. Is that, this is, there, there's some important stuff. You think, do you think Paul just got to the end and went, oh, how can I just add some stuff to fill up the scroll here? I got to add a little bit of extra stuff, a little extra fluff. Look what he says. Hey, say hello to every saint. What are saints, by the way? Are those little statues on your dashboard or in your garden? 
Look around the room, lots of saints here this morning. Correct? Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, greet every saint in Christ Jesus at your location, positionally, in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the bros here say, hey, what's up, sisterin, brethren and sisterin. All the saints greet you, but especially, take note of this, don't miss this, but especially who? Especially those who are of Caesar's household. This is so good. Hey, uh, by the way, there's this special group from Caesar's palace. (laughs) Let's say what's up. This is awesome. Paul was in prison, lost everything, full of joy, writing letters. And who else was with him there? The guards, the Roman soldiers, the special forces. What do you think Paul was doing with them? Hey, I wonder who's going to win the the, the gladiator games this week? You see the latest, uh, whatever, America's greatest idol, Roman's greatest idol. You think Paul, that's, what was Paul doing? Paul's sharing the gospel. People are getting saved, right? And it's like links in a chain. And all of a sudden, they're going back to Caesar's household. And Caesar Nero, he was the president at the time, he's tripping out because everybody in Caesar's palace is getting saved. That's what it means. Those of Caesar's household, family, the workers, the people there, the people in upper management, the people in the government. Here's a reminder for us this morning. God does not leave himself without witness. Do you know that this morning? This is so important. Do you know, I I believe that there's people ministering to Biden. That dude needs to get saved. I'm praying for him. Do you know that God will not leave himself without witness. Uh, What do you mean by that? Come on, pastor, no way. How about Nebuchadnezzar? You guys remember Nebi, King Nebi? The pickle, remember the big pickle? No. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I remember him from VeggieTales. (laughs) That's the dude, Nebi. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar, the dude was so jacked up. And yet, who did God bring to witness to him. Daniel, Shadrach, Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God did not leave himself without witness. He brought people into his life to minister to him. God wants to do the same thing with your life as well. In the workplace, oh, this job stinks. I got to leave this job and I got to jump ship. I got to, maybe God wants to use you as a link in the chain. That your boss, the head honcho, the jerk, or whatever you call him, would get saved. Or the people that the person that's ticking you off. Do you know God loves that person and died for that person? Wants to rescue that person? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you start to recognize now, you start to connect the dots spiritually. Oh, that's why, that's why I'm going through this season of being abased. Wow, Lord, you opened a door for me to minister to someone else that's struggling financially. Oh, Lord, you've allowed me to go through this season where I'm abounding. And wow, I'm seeing your glorious provision for my life. And 
Lord, I doubted your care, and, 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 and I thought you didn't care, but Lord, you did provide in a special way. You abundantly, we've been abounding this season. Thank you, Lord. And you recognize his gracious hand upon your life, and you start to realize, wow, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it's by his grace. Look at how he finishes, and we'll close, because I'm over time. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Paul was Southern. Amen. He's like, may God's goodness and kindness be with you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing letter that you've allowed us. Um, Lord, the time to study and to speak to our hearts and to help us to grow and to learn and to know you more. And, and Lord, we desire, we want to make you known. Help us to do that. That we'd make the most of the time that we have left. We, we'd redeem the time. That our lives would count. That we'd bear fruit, both presently and eternally, that would bring you glory. So thank you. Thank you for the promise of your supply and taking care of us. Just as the Philippians had needs, Lord, as they gave of themselves, of their love, of their hearts, of their resources, that you supplied their every need. Thank you for how you take care of us. Thank you for how you provide for us. For being so patient with us. Thank you that it's you who works in us both to will and to do for your good pleasure. And this morning as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening this morning and you realize you've never come to that place of having a real and a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's not an accident or coincidence that you're here or that you're listening. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves you. He demonstrated his love for you by sending his son. Jesus came. and died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Jesus came to save sinners. He died on the cross for our sins. He suffered and died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And right now he's reaching out to you to rescue you, to save you, to forgive you, to give you a fresh start this morning. And you need to respond to receive Jesus, to believe on his name. You come just as you are, but you need to respond. Do not put it off. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised your next breath. The God who's given you breath is reaching out right now, if that's you. Here's how, here's how you need to respond. Right where you're sitting, would you raise up your hand? I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. as you give your heart to Jesus. You raise up that hand if that's you this morning. Don't put it off. If that's you, you just raise up that hand if that's you this morning. 
Let me pray with you. Anyone at all this morning? Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much for this amazing family. Thank you for your great love for us, your care, for how you cherish us, how you've rescued our lives, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us life giving us a future and a hope. And so, Lord, may we continue to follow your lead. I pray you'd bless abundantly, my precious brothers and sisters, as we learn contentment, as we learn to be givers like you, God. And thank you for working in our hearts. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, praise the Lord. Praise God. If anyone needs prayer this morning after this song, we'll have some folks up front that would love to pray for you, to pray with you. And so don't forget, across the way, baptism, chili. We'll break some bread together, have some fellowship together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand together for this last song. This is the reason I say 
that by sending your best, your only begotten son to die for us. Lord, we are grateful for that. Thank you, Lord, for the hope, the joy, the promises ahead. And I pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit upon us and bless our time of fellowship, the time of the baptism and the breaking of bread together, that you would unite us together and, and that we would um, grow in our love for one another as we grow in our love for you, Jesus. So I pray that you would bring uh, peace and healing and comfort where needed as only you can. May you use us in special ways for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 